Welcome to the Future Accords on KTUH University of Hawaii Radio for the cultural and educational enrichment of the students of Hawaii as well as the global community. On this show, we will interview thought leaders to hear about their past, present, and hopes for the future. Join us as we dive into topics around the five P's of sustainable development, people, planet, prosperity, peace, and partnerships. I'm your host, Ari Eisenstadt, and let's explore the future together. Aloha and welcome to the Future Accords. This is Ari Eisenstadt, and today we are recording our first ever episode after the COVID-19 lockdown. So we're doing this from home, and we have a really special guest. Today we have Keone Kealoha, the Executive Director of Kanu Hawaii, talking about the future of community engagement, local resilience, and of course, this COVID response volunteerism. Keone, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, I'm all day. So if there's one thing that we want our listeners to get out of this, it is this respondwithaloha.org platform that you've created to connect COVID-19 organizations with volunteers, donations, partners, and a unique time bank on each island to create a service network during this time of need. Uh, Keone, can you tell us a little bit about what this Respond with Aloha program uh, looks like and how people can get involved? Right, so respondwithaloha.org is primarily a volunteer platform. So we've got in the last six weeks or so, we've had over 100 essential service provider types of organizations sign up on the site and they are listing volunteer opportunities that they need help on in order to respond to the current situation. Some of these are virtual opportunities that you could do from home, and some are in-person uh, opportunities such as packing meals for seniors, uh, meal deliveries for seniors, some of those types of things. Obviously, those organizations are pretty well-versed in um, safety measures, uh, but we always encourage people to, to be very aware of uh, when they're doing an in-person volunteer opportunity, make sure that they're they're taking their own personal safety and, and safety of others in mind. Really inspiring. Well, looking forward to talking more about that. But first, let's let's dive into your past experiences and how you got into this inspiring work. Um, where are you from originally and, and what was your educational background? Pretty much grew up here in Hawaii. As far as education, I went to Kamehameha schools. But aside from that, I was at UH for a couple of years, but I only lived in the dorms. I never actually attended the school. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but I think most of my education just came from you know just working and living and uh, and, and living life. And uh, a lot of that in the early days, which kind of set me up for a lot of the community engagement work I'm doing here, was was actually working as a, a nightclub promoter and a DJ in nightclubs for many many years and playing music and. The analogy really is that you, you constantly have to figure out how to connect with people and how to get them to come out to start participating in something. And if you can have them have a good time, it really helps to bring them out and get them connected. So I think that's how I think about community engagement. It's like, what kinds of opportunities can we get, can we put out there that people can really connect to, to get them to take action and get them to step forward and, and be part of this, the dance floor of our community, you know? Love it. What inspired you to get into music and DJ? What kind of, of music would you play? Uh, well, I've literally played everything except probably country and classical. Although I've played both of those, not at any extended period of time. But I mean, I played everything from gothic and industrial to dancehall reggae to a lot of house music, 
down tempo, mid tempo, drum and bass. Uh, it's you know a lot of different genres of music. We'll have to have you come play some music on KTV. Also, <laughs> it sounds great. So yeah, it sounds like fun. That that also led you into promoting and digital marketing. What what kinds of tools did you learn from that? That that led you into this more community engagement work. Well, I think this story is not a unique one. If if people out there have ever done, you know, worked in clubs, you always have to make flyers. You always got to promote it. And so I started learning Photoshop so that I could do that. Eventually, it turned into people asking me to do their flyers, and then that turned into websites, and then it kind of turned into me working in uh, boutique web development firms for like eight years, working in Silicon Valley, doing some startups in San Francisco and things like that. So it's, it was a slippery technology slope that started from nightclubs and making flyers. And then what led you then to uh, create Malama Kauai, a nonprofit organization? Well, I was in California, as I mentioned, I was working in Silicon Valley for a number of years. And then I uh, just decided it was good to, wanted to move back to Hawaii and, and wanted to be here. And uh, initially it was telecommuting because that was something that was available in the technology space and still is. But I found myself living on the North Shore of Kauai it reminded me very much of where I grew up, which was in Kahuku, which is the North Shore of Oahu. And so just a kind of sleepy sugarcane town. Uh, everybody knows everybody. And, and, and from that, I was like, well, I, lo I love this place. I want to buy a house. And then quickly realized that I didn't have $850,000 to buy a $20,000 sugarcane shack. And I, I was like, there's definitely something wrong here why is this so out of reach? And uh, I think that started opening up, you know, a lot of things around the ability for, for our communities to, to, to function locally and, and how we've been priced out and how uh, land is such a scarcity. So, you know, we got into what are we doing with our local food and, and what are we doing with our waste stream? We're, we're a very closed community. We don't have, we can't throw things away. How, how we can get affordable housing here for people that were born and raised here or maybe have been here for eight or ten generations who now have to move away just simply because they can't afford it. So it kind of opened the door to what I started, which was uh, Malama Kauai was an organization that was looking to address those issues. And for those that don't know, what, what, what does Malama Kauai mean? Malama is really... It's a, to take care of something, right? So it's a, like to, to take care of a child or a, a garden or is to care for something. And so, you know, it was really to care for Kauai. And at the time, that was the scope of my kuleana. It's what I felt that I could do and make an impact on. And I felt like we did. Uh, Malama Kauai has, has done a lot of work over the years. It started the school garden network on Kauai in 2010. Now every school on Kauai has a garden. We're not responsible for all of it, but we definitely contributed to that cause. During the floods of 2018, Malama Kauai was one of the essential organizations that helped to provide uh, financial relief, food relief for the families and people that were impacted during that time. So I feel really proud and honored to, to see something like that continue even after I now live on Oahu and I'm not there anymore. Incredible. So tell us about then your transition from going to Kauai then back to Oahu uh, and taking over as the executive director of Kanu Hawaii. Yeah, so I mean, Kanu has been around about the same amount of time as Malama Kauai. Strangely, I think 2006 was like a baby boom for for impactful nonprofits in Hawaii. There's a number of nonprofits that were started right around 2006, 7, 8. Um, but uh, Kanu is, it has been something I've been aware of. 
and I actually participated on uh, for five years as a board mem- member prior to moving here three years ago. And I think that the really Kauai was starting to to get things together. It felt like there was a lot of stuff happening. It in the beginning, you knew everybody that was doing everything, and it came to a point where there were so many things happening. I didn't even know there were so many good efforts happening. I was like, okay, well, what's going on in Oahu, you know? And and uh, so I just thought that I would make my way over here and. Strangely enough, I was living on an off-grid farm that we kind of built from a, a weed patch uh, for six years on the North Shore of, of Kauai, and uh, now I live in a condo in Waikiki on purpose, on purpose. I want to understand what's going on here and how do we address some of the issues that, that folks are, are living every day. What a contrast. Uh, t- tell us, what is the history of Kanu Hawaii and, and the, the mission of the organization that inspired you to get involved with it? Yeah, so Kana Hawaii has been around since around 2006, seven. Uh, kicked off with a campaign. Some folks that have been in the in the scene for a little while in the sustainability scene might remember the I Will campaign, which was I Will dot 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 make a personal commitment to change to make Hawaii a better place for the future. And uh, and there were probably I'd say like 12, 13,000 people that signed up as a member with Kana Hawaii during that time. And this was like pre Facebook, so. Kanu had set up a uh, web space that allowed people to create profiles, to uh, put posts up and to share information. And and more importantly, what the campaign was, was to make a personal commitment. And so you could make your own commitment up and there were over 1500 commitments, individual, distinctly unique commitments that were made. Uh, Or you could sign up on someone else's commitment and the top 16 commitments that were made all had at least a thousand people signing up to them. So that, you know, on the, on the top end, we're looking, we're looking at maybe like 3,500, 3,600 people making a personal commitment to uh, like using a, a reusable water bottle or, or, or a reusable shopping bag when you go out shopping. It's extraordinary. And what does Kanu mean? Kanu literally means to plant. And so the idea is how do we plant ourselves here to make a better future for Hawaii? And speaking of planting, you've also done a lot around uh, food sustainability and eating local. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, I mean, that started mostly through Malama Kauai, which has a very strong food focus. It's really about local food systems. Uh, But here at Kanu, um, that was like the next campaign that came after I Will was the Eat Local Challenge and a really big focus on local food. And those campaigns uh, happened engage tens of thousands of people across Hawaii in eating local and being aware of local food and where it came from. Uh, it engaged hundreds of restaurants and serving locally um, sourced or, or local ingredient uh, meals during this time. And that campaign went on for maybe five or six uh, cycles. So people um, at that time, again, when it kicked off, not something that was very typical. Now you, you can almost go into any restaurant and there's going to be some mention of local produce in it or a local meat or fish or something so it's really become quite prevalent again not saying it's it's uh, it was the only reason but definitely a contributing factor to where, where we are now and it, and it seems like there's this theme of collaborating with other movements that share these values and uh eating locally and locally sourced uh, food is also part of the aloha plus challenge that's uh, spearheaded by hawaii green growth which kanu is also a partner with Yes, I mean, Hawaii Green Growth, I I, I would say that they were able to crack the nut on something that nobody had been able to do prior to them. 
And that was to engage the institutions in making changes around sustainability. I think there's been efforts through the years, mostly on the nonprofit or community side of the fence to uh, get um, collaborations together or you know, groups of people and coalitions, but never really had that institutional connecting point. And I think that's one of the biggest things is they haven't just done it in government, um, both at the local county state level, but also at the national and international level right, being connected to the United Nations. And I think the other part of that is looking at our uh, kind of our institutional business community. Some of the larger businesses here, the airlines and banks, like they've been engaged now through white green growth and some of the programs they have. So being a very community focused organization like a Malama Kauai for Kauai or Kana Kauai for across all the islands in Hawaii, I think working with them has been really good for both organizations because we're able to uh, bring our different perspectives and our different like core um, constituencies together in a way where we're starting to now figure out how do we, how do we solve problems in collaboration between these usually or um you know kind of separate spheres of, of problem solution kind of things and so speaking of coming together now we're in this lockdown in this pandemic where we can't physically come together and that's inspired you to create this respond with aloha platform to uh to source volunteers and organizations uh to support these groups that are in need right now what was it like uh, thinking and coming up with this idea and how have you rolled it out? Well, I, I'd say, you know, just to, to to kind of put the foundation on all this, i worked for many years in community engagement efforts, whether it's starting a school garden network or whether it's responding to a super ferry or, you know, development projects or things like that. Uh, what I've always seen over the years is that uh, a lot of times community will mobilize and put a lot of energy around some kind of threat that shows up. And the thing is, if you can't, you got to get to the, what's the yes to the no, right? So we know that this is not a good thing for us and we have to respond to it, this threat, whatever it might be, or perceived threat. And you're organizing around a no, but you need to flip that to a yes, because as soon as the threat goes away, you, you kind of cease to have a reason to exist. But if you can get to the yes, then you don't need the threat to continue to be organized and connected as a, as a group. And so um, I think what I realize is like, how do we invest in a yes-based organizing structure? And I think that that's why we've looked at civic engagement and said, you know, something that all organizations that are doing on-the-ground work out there, they all can use volunteers, whether that's manual labor volunteers, uh, board members, donors, or whatever it is, nonprofits and community orgs, they thrive on, on having volunteers. So we're, we're working in the space of, of mobilizing volunteer efforts, and we do that annually as a big drumbeat around National Volunteer Week. It's been around for over 40 years. Hawaii never officially recognized it until last year. We were able to get a proclamation from the governor, the four mayors, and, and a resolution passed in both chambers of the legislature. First time it's ever happened. So with that kind of institutional support, we went out and we're, we were able to partner with over 90 organizations across seven islands. They hosted over 130 events. There were even two that we partnered with on um, Koho'olawe, and we engaged over 6,500 volunteers in that really the first year of doing it. So it's the, it's the largest volunteer focus campaign in Hawaii just in year one. And it's the largest state-level celebration of National Volunteer Week in the United States, just in one year. So you take something like that and you connect it to Hawaii Green Growth and what they're doing with 
the Sustainable Development Goals, and now this uh, wrecking, you know, the, the UN recognizing in order for change to happen by 2030, we got 10 years, right? We need to think local. We need to really connect to the local because it has only been a country-based reporting mechanism of how you're doing a lot of GDP numbers, a lot of dollars, but really change happens on the ground. It happens in our backyards and it happens um, in our communities. And so being able to measure the impact of planting a tarot patch or uh, a, a, you know cleaning a beach, what are the impacts on these global goals that we have and how can we get more strategic about uh, following what our community is doing, incentivizing it to really be part of this global uh, benchmarks that we're setting. And so working with Hawaii Green Growth it, and giving us a chance to do this every year around Volunteer Week Hawaii is going to help us to, I think, get more efficient and get better at how we how we can change the world. And really. when is Volunteer Week this year? Volunteer Week is literally coming up yeah, April 19th. As of the recording of this, it's less than a week away, right? It's just a few days. And so we're going to utilize that week this year to look at virtual opportunities uh, for volunteering, and we're looking to engage our student population who right now is out of school and homebound, and their families. So we have a specific campaign to really focus on our K through 12 um, Kiki and family population. And then we've got some things for people to engage in just uh, in general, um, which is like a, a, a volunteer week bingo game, which is pretty interesting and fun and good for social media. And then the other is really directing people to the COVID-19 opportunities to respond with aloha.org and to get connected with the essential service provider needs that are already need to happen. And so kind of tie this all together, the reason, um, you know, we did this last year and had success and we thought, well, we need a platform that can help us to manage the volunteer opportunities. So we engaged, we got this platform set up in anticipation of volunteer week, COVID-19 happened. We quickly stood up some pages to um, to help direct traffic around volunteer opportunities. And as I mentioned, we were able to, to partner with over 100 organizations that weren't in the database prior to this happening. And we're now working even more deeply with some of those, like Malama Meals, for example. They're um, an organization that's delivering 10,000 meals a day as of right now, but they have bottlenecks. They have they have to get more people plugged in so they can scale that up. There is a need, but right now they can't address it. We're looking at how can we utilize this platform? How can we utilize our relationships? And how can we connect with the community in ways that we can help to quickly answer these kinds of issues more efficiently so that we can solve this problem, but we can also solve problems into the future. So uh, helping volunteer delivering meals to people that, that need food is one example. What are some other uh, ways that people can volunteer next week and beyond? So, I mean, there are a number. I, I would say, you know, keeping with the COVID response, what we're seeing a lot of need for is around food, food delivery, um, and, and with our kupuna, with our older folks. Um, there's a lot of social isolation that is happening as a result of this. Uh, so being able to reach out to them, there are three or four or five different organizations that are focused um, specifically on like letter writing or matchmaking between a family or an individual and with a senior who needs or could use support. Uh, some of that has to do with just being somebody on the other end of a, a phone to make sure they're okay. Uh, or it could include things like grocery shopping or um, picking up and delivering medicines that they might need. So there's lots of different ways that, that you could participate in that one. And then I think there's, there's just like the bigger general call out. I mean, it, even with Malama Meals, for example, the bottleneck around um, receiving requests. They need 10 
people to be working in their phone bank right now because they can't take any more requests because they literally can't answer the phone. These are things that people could do from home. And, and this was a meeting I was on right before this interview was I found this out. So we're going to work to get those opportunities in front of people so that they can be like, hey, I can take a two-hour shift answering a, a phone from my house that's getting directed to me to help get people who really need food fed. So these are the kind of things that we're trying to find efficiencies around. And, and that's the space that we feel like is going to bring value in this instance and, and in the future when other things that we don't even know, other challenges we might be facing come up. That's great. And so what does it look like to go on to this respondwithaloha.org platform? How do you organize all this information? Well, fortunately, we're utilizing a platform that was built for volunteer management. So it kind of has some tools in place already, but really we're just directing traffic. We purposefully, if you go to the, the respondwithaloha.org page, it's very simple. It's just text, a couple of like really simple icons. And, and really, you know, we, we, we can do a lot more flashy things with video and things like that. But, but honestly, we're, we're mostly seeing a lot of senior community folks that are needing to access these services and keeping it simple and keeping it in a format and a visual kind of design that, that is friendly for them is really important to us. So it's very functional, you know, it's very streamlined and simple. It, if you need help or if you need volunteers, then you can you can get that. If you want to volunteer, you can get that. There's a place uh, for donations that, that you can make or things that are available. Um, there's specific tasks for, for our senior community. And, and a lot of it is also redirecting traffic. We're not an end-all. We don't have information about masks uh, per se. We don't have um, information about ventilators or what the latest numbers of, of infections are. But we try to redirect traffic to the places that do monitor those things. We really focus on the volunteer piece predominantly. And, and organizations uh, are, can still say if they, they need volunteers or donations. You, you, can, you still can put out calls. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we will offer those on our site. But on that same landing page you go to, if you scroll to the bottom, we do even list some of the sites that have very comprehensive and robust um, information as well. Again, I think even... Um, we don't want to be a gatekeeper. We just want to help facilitate conversation and action. So uh, you can either contact the organization directly if that information is on the site, uh, or you can sign up using the on-platform way where you create a profile, and then you can just click and select multiple opportunities as they resonate with you. So that is another way that you can do it. We just want to make sure there's a way to capture everybody's you know, uh, ability for them to stay connected in whatever way is comfortable. Amazing. And how does a, a, a bingo work during this time? Yeah, so, so uh, we created this bingo card, which essentially, and I, I can, I'll get you the link, maybe you can put it in the, in the show notes or whatnot, but it's, you know, just 25 squares and it looks like a bingo card, but each one of those squares are things like um, write a letter to a kapuna or someone that, that, you know, needs support. Uh, or donate to a local food bank, or uh, start a home garden, or create an at-home composting uh, a program, or, or a sort of way to sort your compost. These these are things that usually are touching on um, things that are going that kind of fall in line with our sustainability pieces of where we've come from, which are like local food, renewable energy, uh, waste stream diversion, civic engagement, things like that. But they also are things that we hope that if people take these things on. They're actually going to help you as the weeks go by. If you plant your own garden, we've got the school garden in Hui, we've got the farmers union, we've got the master gardener program from CTAR. 
these people are untapped to answer your phone calls or your emails and help you get started and get going. But in six to eight weeks from now, you could be growing lettuce. And that's going to help you and your family be a little bit more resilient and a little bit more in control of your own food supply. And we hope that after doing this for several weeks out of necessity, hopefully as things evolve and change out there, you'll just continue to do it because it's something you enjoy and you realize the benefit of it to yourself, not just in the worst times, but but also the benefit of growing your own food in, in times when they, things start to change. So, I mean, that's that's what we're looking at and, and those are some of the intentions behind it. I'd, I'd say one other thing we're really looking at is how can we how can we incentivize people to create like family-based networks or smaller networks? So we're, we actually partnered with the Department of Education, Blue Zones, Hawaii, and uh, and Hawaii Green Growth on, on another opportunity under Volunteer Week called Virtual Volunteer Week Hawaii.org. This program is geared at the, at the student population, and it's, it's saying like some similar things, like how would you start a, a home garden? Or um, for youth and their family, like make a list of 10 kupuna that you know and call them and see how they're doing. You know, in many cases, we've, what we found is that uh, a lot of the seniors who are now homebound, they're not part of an existing program. They're actually, maybe they even had a part-time job or they were very social, but now because of the fear of COVID, they don't want to go outside, but they're also now kind of socially isolated, whereas before it wasn't an issue for them. So reaching them and seeing if they need something, are they okay? Do they need food? Might not have been in a food program prior to this. And then being able to help facilitate some of those needs uh, while, while tightening kind of these smaller social circles that, that we could do. Uh, reaching out to teachers, reaching out to to sports coaches, engaging their teams virtually to to make a commitment to to do something as a team, help to build their team and their connection in a time where it's needed. But if one of those team members' families needs help, now you're just reinforcing the the ability for them to more easily get help from people who they already have a relationship with. So that's that's another kind of theory piece behind it. Spectacular. Well, we'll definitely include the link for that and recommend for anyone at home uh, to share on the KTUH Honolulu Facebook page and our Instagram, and we'll keep these stories going and hopefully get as many many bingo winners as possible. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, we're looking at getting as many prizes as we can. We've got a number of prizes lined up. I think, you know, uh, we're in a time where travel is, you know, it's not something that we're considering. We know we'll get to a point where, where we'll be catching planes again. We have a pair of tickets from Alaska Airlines, for example, to fly anywhere that they fly. We're going to be giving those pair of tickets away. And those those will be good for a, a reasonable period of time into the future when things become safe to travel. But, I mean, things like that. And we're looking to partner with more businesses and more people who can you know, give us anything from a surfboard or a mask or, you know, a, a, a snorkel mask or what, whatever the thing might be. Something to help promote a local business or, or promote you, uh, but something that can give back to somebody who's saying, hey, I'm willing to take action and, and you know, uh, do something on behalf of my community, on behalf of resilience, sustainability for myself and my family. It's great. So in, in that regard, what is your vision for the future of uh, how Hawaii reopens our, our economy and and especially the, the tourism industry, which is such a, a such a big part of the community, especially here on Oahu. How can we do that in a sustainable and safe way? Well, I, I think there's safety concerns and health concerns that go beyond my knowledge and capacity to answer when is it going to be safe to you know, open up different ways of people connecting or traveling and things like that. I can't really speak to that as much, but I, I would say that what it has done is it has definitely shown the light on 
what what we need to put more energy behind. And I think that's creating more self-reliance in Hawaii, looking at our energy systems, looking at our economic systems, looking at our food systems. These are all things that I've been working on and it's, it seems that you have been too and probably many of your listeners care about. But hopefully what it's doing is really saying to the institutions, the, to government, to high level stakeholders, to even large businesses, we need to all pivot. We all need to rethink how we're doing business and think about how can we do that in a way that builds up our community resilience, that builds up our, our self-reliance capacity so that we can respond. We're Right now, we are lucky that we still have food being shipped in. We still have energy coming in, you know, in, in the form of the, the different ways that it's shipped to us, oil, gas, you know, other types of, of fuels. But, you know, we're at the end of a supply chain. And, and if things continue to tighten, we could be some of the first people to start losing out on some of those supplies. So I, I hope that things continue to, to be remain in a safe, fairly safe space, but we're already feeling it. We already have 50% of our population is paycheck to paycheck. I'm imagining that's, gonna, that's already gone up. And tourism as a sector, it's not going to look the same for the next couple of years. I don't know what it's going to look like per se, but we're going to have to reinvent some of these things. And, and I think part of that is diversifying how we do things, how we live our lives and where we put our, our institutional resources and hopefully do that in a way that makes us self, more self-reliant, helps put more entrepreneurs and more people back to work in a way that helps to take care of the people that live here. You, you mentioned a, a concept of voluntourism and a way to make these travelers a part of the solution. What, what would that look like? Well, volunteerism currently is a multi-billion dollar industry, or at least it was as of eight weeks ago. People do want to travel. We are just seeing the changeover in the visitor industry as of 2020. The um, predominant traveler is the millennial. And so the age of the traveler segment is, is decreasing. Those folks, they want to, some of the things that are important to them are giving back to the local community, making sure that if they're supporting a business, that that business is mindful and, and supporting their community as well. Um, so we're looking at, when you look at volunteer opportunities and visitors, you know, we have we have a, a tenfold, we did, or made, you know, have a tenfold, you know, number of visitors versus residents coming to Hawaii. How do we utilize that as like startup capital or inputs to help kickstart our local economy, to help our support our local organizations while giving them what they're looking for, which is a local experience that gives back in an authentic way that really helps people. And I tell you, local people, in general, they might be like, <laughs> you know, I don't want visitors coming. I don't want a tourist. But if somebody said, hey, I want to come in like Honolima, like I want to weed your your farm or I want to like, you know, what's important to you? Let's go plant Tara. You know what I mean? Like you're like, hey, come on. You know what I mean? If you want to help do some restoration or help me do my do the local work on the ground. Now kind of the doors are open. You want to go to a real luau, a baby luau? The only way you're going to get invited to that is if you know somebody. And what better way to know somebody than to go and give? That's what aloha is. You give, and then there might be a reciprocation on that, but it's about the giving part before the receiving part. So I think by by living aloha and by – that's the opportunity that we have with volunteerism is to, is to take those visitors and put them to work. 
<laughs> I love for their own benefit as well as ours. Absolutely. You you also mentioned this this economic um, crunch that we're we're all feeling, and I think a really futuristic program that you're a part of is this idea of a time bank that actually has been around for a good amount of time. Um, can, can you explain what exactly a time bank is and how this platform connects it? Sure. So if you think about time bank, kind of sounds like a mystery, but essentially the idea is like time is the is the currency. So it, which is kind of like volunteering, right? It's your time. Uh, instead of it being a one-way proposition like volunteer, volunteering, what we're saying is that this could be a two-way exchange. So we created something called the Kokua Exchange. It's at kokuaexchange.org. Uh, it's a time bank. And the time bank is it's a platform that allows you to trade your time with other people in a one-to-many type of setting. So I might be able to uh, walk your dog or maybe I could, a mechanic, I could work on your car. And so I spend a certain amount of time doing that. And then you give me in the system, you give me credit for those hours. And then I have those hours banked and then I can go into the system or the platform and look for other services that other other skills that people have. And then I can exchange those hour credits for things that I might need in the system. It's a little bit different from bartering where you have to have two people that, or you know, two parties that want the same thing and they do a direct exchange. This kind of allows you to exchange among lots of people, whoever's in the system. So the more people are in it, the more services will be out there, the more things that you could get. So really, uh, we're just the front of launching this platform. Uh, it's, it's a platform that's been around, um, uh, like 130 other organizations around the world use the same platform. But we've, we've seen it tried here and there. It's, it, it, it's not always picked up really, really easily. The concept is great. The application, I think we need to figure out how to, how to utilize it better. But again, the time when community currencies and these kinds of alternative economic exchanges, the times that they really ramp up are times when we have recessions, depressions, times when people don't have as much disposable income or, or actual dollars or, or currency to spend. And so what they do have is they have time. They still need things, but they have time. So this allows us to give our time and to receive services that we need without having to exchange cash. Well, what an interesting new uh, circular economic system where all of our labor is equal based on how much time we give. I think that's that's really fascinating and uh, uh, such a futuristic, but also really old school and and fundamental way of, uh, of connecting with our, our communities. And I think that that by having this digital platform, it really bridges that gap for how you can really scale something like that. Yeah, and I think it's it's something that Kanu as an organization has always done. I think even going back to the early I Will campaign, it was it's utilizing a digital medium to facilitate offline connections, relationships, and action. And so we do that with volunteering and we do that with the um, kokuaexchange.org time bank as well. You know, you're making a connection for something you need, but then in some way you're getting something that you need. And, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're being mindful of social distancing and some of the other things that we just have to do right now. Uh, but these things, these platforms, they can still work during these times and then they can, they can work as times change and, and things kind of, you know, start to shift. Really, really amazing. So, Keone, is there anything in closing that you would recommend to our listeners to uh, to look into, to reach out to, to to get involved with? Yeah, I would say it, just a just a one place. If you had to go anywhere, would be go to volunteerweekhawaii.org because on that page you will see both the youth campaign, the bingo campaign, the COVID nineteen volunteer response, 
and ways that you can connect to all of this. Um, so it's kind of a portal for us as an organization to provide windows into these different things, including uh, the Kokua Exchange and even some other things that we haven't even talked about. Great. Well, we hope that that volunteering goes beyond this week and into the year and decade and future ahead. Keone, thank you so much for, for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, aloha. Aloha, Ari. Thank you. Appreciate Take it. Take care.